0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Courtside with and Tennis Park, the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Tonight, we have with us an award-winning writer, award-winning coach, popular international speaker, and sports researcher, Mr. Frank Gianpalo. Frank, welcome to the pod. Hey, thank you so much. It's, it's a pleasure. Well, I know you're in one of my favorite parts, Delray, and you know we were just talking before we recorded. I, I I go down there for the 250 event in February almost every year. I'm based in Chicago, so it beats the hell out of being in Chicago in in uh, February. So gotcha. I hope you're enjoying your time down in Delray right now. You know, it's
1: nice. It's we we have like I hate to brag about it, but it's like 80 degrees every day, and you know it's typical Florida. I get a little rain, but. uh where I live in Southern California, in, in Laguna, it's probably high 50,
0: 60 degrees right now. So I'm beating it. I'm beating the odds. Oh, well, yeah. Hey, either place, Laguna or Del Rey, it beats the heck out of Chicago in late January, <laughs> which is when we're recording this. So um, we're going to get into um, the, the writing and coaching part of your career. But if you don't mind, um, one, why don't you tell us what's currently keeping you busy? And two, talk about um, how you got started into into tennis and, and playing tennis, and then obviously into your teaching career, which I know Vic Braden played a heavy influence in, in your life. Yeah, he really did. He was a mentor, but uh, yeah, nowadays I'm, uh, I'm
1: working with the USTA, the Southern Cal, and we're doing some pretty fun uh, new high-performance uh, mental-emotional training for, they call it Team SoCal now, which the top I don't know, top 10 kids in each age division. And I feel super lucky I get to do it with Paul Anacone and, uh, you know, he's one of the brightest minds in the in the business, so getting to do that is is terrific. Um, still to this day, I kind of rotate between uh, coaching the different coaches, but then also getting to work with families, which is what I'm doing right now. I'm in Delray with a private family that has a 18-year-old gal that's you know, playing the minor league pros and banging it out. So that's all nice. And, uh, you know, most of the time nowadays, um, I don't really find people talk about their losses. When I talk about me conversing with parents or players, they don't talk about losing because of the strokes. They never say, you know, God, I lost. Because if I had my follow through two inches higher, man, I would have won. You never hear it. It's all these mental emotional stuff like I couldn't close out a lead, uh, choking, panicking. They cheated, so I fell apart. So that's kind of why I kind of got into that. But I appreciate all the hardware, uh, but I kind of focus more on the software stuff now than mental emotional sides. Um, as far as playing, I, I played as a junior. I grew up, it was really kind of funky, but I grew up in Saudi Arabia. And my dad worked for another company called the Ramco back there. And so there wasn't a lot of high performance tennis. And I didn't really grow up in a family that cherished sports. And my dad was an engineer. He's still a great engineer. He still works for NASA in, in, in his mid-80s. And and so engineering and was kind of more of the, the family trait. And uh, so sports weren't that big really. And and I take my hat off though. I guess so almost envious of some of the players and that, that, that got to grow up in like South Florida or California. And they got to take private lessons every week and they got to develop their game. And that's wonderful if you have that, but, uh, if not, you know, there's hope for everybody. And then <laughs> I, I think a lot of people that maybe have to work for it a little bit harder, maybe they have to struggle a little bit. They, they, they see the value.
0: So, it's beautiful. And yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a good, that's a good point. Look, I, I have a psychology degree out of college. So this stuff fascinates me. Um I also went to grad school, but for my undergrad degree of psychology. So a lot of stuff that we're going to dive into um, in this conversation um, absolutely fascinates me. I know after college, um, it was kind of maybe you didn't know exactly which direction you wanted to do. You had an opportunity to maybe, I believe, kind of watch and shadow Vic Braden um where he was yeah. teaching is that is that correct
1: well yeah and and uh, i guess a good life lesson is sometimes you have to make your own luck so um i just out of college i went right to his tennis college which was one of the top two in the country i would imagine back then now we're talking about the late 80s so a lot of the juniors right now think you know i'm old hat already just by saying that but yeah so i went to the school knocked on the door i said look i want to learn how to teach this game and and they said, Well, look, we, we get 25 applications a week. We're filled. I go, Well, look, I'm going to be here for two weeks. Could I just sit and watch and observe, take notes? And Vic was great, obviously, as anybody that knows that name. I got to sit on the court from right, eight in the morning till 7 30 at night. I filled up maybe one legal pad a, a day worth of notes. Um, and uh, after a couple of weeks, they gave me a job, and it was a uh, it was wonderful back then. They had the, the research center. So they did all the, all the high-speed film. A funny story was I went with Vic once to uh, up in Santa Ana, California. And he bought two high-speed video cameras, spent $200,000. Yeah, because wow. he really wanted to research. Nowadays, we can do the same thing on our app. You know, the phone app for what, $4? You get the phone app. It does the same thing. But anyway, yeah, you know, it was beautiful. I got there in a lucky time, um, and uh, obviously he was a a big time coach. And I love the idea about adding the humor with the sports science. Okay. And so, I anyway, mean, that was my background. And I I traveled with him a ton. I was actually his agent, and we worked together opening schools. And he's the one that told me that I had to go on my own and write my own books. And I'm like, no, I'm happy. I'm happy just being, you know, your assistant. He goes, no, you got you got to do your own stuff. And so he, I started doing that back about 10, 15 years ago.
0: And yeah, I've been
1: lucky with it so far.
0: That's, I mean, it's amazing. And it just goes to show, like like you said, you, you almost kind of make your own luck. If you want something bad enough, you find a way to make it work. And then the second aspect of that is finding an unbelievable mentor and that what you did. And and that's in any any field for anyone listening to this, if you can attach yourself to a mentor, even if you're not getting paid right away, um, if you look, if you can look long-term, that can set you up for so many opportunities, which obviously uh, is reflected in your career. Now, again, I mean, I think this sport, and you can say the same thing for golf, right? There's no clock in it. You can't run out the clock. And I've had this conversation with so many different people, and I know you appreciate this as well. I mean, the sport, how beautiful it is, It is a brutal, brutal sport because a match can flip on a dime. Yeah, Um, and we've seen it. And I always say, if you play this sport long enough, you're going to win matches you have no business winning, and you're going to lose matches that you have no business losing. I mean, that's just part of the sport, right? If you play it long enough, again, that's the beauty of it, and that's also the brutality of it. Um, I want to get, I want to hear your thoughts on, on some of the books that that you've had. I know you got one coming up, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, um, one of the big books that you have, and I, it's in two volumes now, I believe it's the tennis parents Bible, right? Yes. Yeah, that, uh, Talk about that a little bit.
1: Well, I, I, I went from being a coach for about 15 years to being a tennis parent, which was automatically 10 times harder than just being the coach. Cause you know, <laughs> you can't leave it on the court. Right. So after going through that, my daughter did well. She, uh, was number one in the nation in uh, Two or three years and played the, played the us open adults by 15 and she went on um decided she didn't like pros she didn't like traveling uh didn't like the hotel she was ranked about 250 maybe at 15 and so she went to usc got a full ride and and it was wonderful a great experience for us and and for me i just realized that man nobody is educating the parents And they can unknowingly sabotage so much of the great work coaches do because, like it or not, they're the weekend coach. And and that's what's weird about our sport, too. You know, like as coaches, we're on the court during the week, putting in the work, getting the kids, not only their strokes ready, but their mindset ready. You know, being performance oriented, find a game plan, do what you do best, stick to your scripts, that kind of thing. And now all of a sudden the weekend comes along, the coaches aren't going to the matches, just the parents are, and they don't know. And then they just remember what they heard back in, you know, in school when they were going to school. And uh, some of the parents are great. Probably even most of the parents are great, but uh, yeah, I felt, I kind of figured that if I'm going through all these issues and I thought I knew tennis, you know, by then, I thought the parents that don't know a lot about the game, they can waste so much money, and hours, and even tears, uh, you know, by banging their heads against walls. So I did that. That was the first book, and then Human Kinetics is one of the top probably sports publishers, and so they picked me up. I did some for them, and and since then, I think I had this is gonna be my tenth book already, and uh, I think I had six number one bestsellers and
0: in, you know, the racket sports. So anyway, so. Unbelievable. I mean, I know, and I know you look at, and all oh, good coaches look at this the same way with practice And that, you know, you practice, there's no wasted, I, I always tell my students, you know, no wasted balls in practice, right? Have a purpose for every ball. And you're to practice in the manner you're expected to perform. Um, and you hear that again, not just in tennis, but you hear the great ones in basketball, any sport. Um, you just can't turn a light switch on during competition if you're not doing it repetitively and in the same type of focus uh and, and energy and practice and i know that's something that that not only you but all the great coaches really really stress because if you're if you're out there wasting time you're you're not only wasting your time you're wasting the coach's time you're wasting your parents money you're wasting everybody's time there's no purpose for anyone being out there at that time
1: yeah no absolutely it's a uh... It could get a little bit funky on the practice court. And, and, you know,
0: for me, I like to have
1: the kids add negative scoring to every drill that they do. So it could be very basic, like just divide the service box and half and serve into the back end. But can you get 10 in? Every time you miss, it's minus one deducted. So they have to be accountable. They have to pay attention. They have to stay focused and they have to handle it when things go astray. And to me, that's a big skill is who can handle it during hardship, whether it's somebody cheating on line calls or they're sick or injured or having a bad day with their strokes it's who can handle it. And when you add negative scoring to every drill, they have to be accountable, even in practice, but it's hard. I mean, even the, I helped one of my buddies do a, an adult clinic and this one probably 45 year old guy, in an hour, he probably hit sixty balls out, hit the back fence, hit hit the partner in the back of the head. But then later in the bar, all he talked about was the one great shot he burned up the line. But he didn't remember the fifty he missed.
0: Yeah, well, that's like golf, right? That's what made, that's what makes golfers <laughs> keep coming back, right? They play horribly, but they get that one birdie on eighteen, and that keeps them coming back. But you know, it's so it's it's interesting, right? Because it sounds so easy, but. If you can control your emotions on the court, and and let's say some you know you miss easy shot, big point you miss it, whatever. No matter what happened in that previous point, has zero effect unless you negatively affect it to the future point. Has zero effect. Whatever just happened, you have to let that go because not any there's not one ounce of what happened in the previous point that will affect future points unless you negatively allow it to happen, and that's so easy to say and I get it it's three hours out there it's hot it's 95 degrees you're dying out there it's three four in the third set and you just missed an easy sitter on break point and you're furious with yourself that's the beauty of the sport and that's the challenge of the sport right It, it yes you're right
1: and, and and I love it I I think it's really meaningful for you know the the athletes or the coaches listening that you know every every feeling that we have is going to either pull you towards your goals or away from your
0: goals.
1: But there's that
0: awareness that's pretty hard to do. you got to be pretty mature. I think you can practice that, right? Like if you keep practicing those tools and you put that, you, you put those tools to, um, to play in practice, I think you can, it's not something that someone's maybe born with or their temperament, or I think you can, you can practice that with your students for sure. And it's a huge asset if you can control your emotions. I do want to talk about your, your upcoming book. And we're, we're recording this in late January. And I know it's like days away. I'm sticking on to the parent side of things. That, um, okay. It's called The Psychology of Tennis Parenting. This is something that you're obviously obsessed with, right? Helping as many people who have players um, on the junior year. Because it, it can get complicated, right? And And you can get lost. Kids can get lost. And especially the parents who are not experienced. You said even yourself who did have experience in the sport. It was a lot for you, and you didn't know a lot when your daughter was going through it. Um, again, talk a little bit about the focus of this upcoming book, The Psychology of Tennis Parenting. Well, the, the probably the big difference is this is based on
1: typical um, problems and then solutions. So the insights really in this book um, are kind of based on the software, like we said, the mental-emotional sides. But these are things that the parents can help with. So sometimes parents don't really understand their job description. They think, you know, their job is to get out there and chain strokes or, you know, talk about the athleticism. But that's pretty tough if a parent doesn't have a real tennis background. But parents can help with, you know, the the sports psychology side if they just know a little bit about it. Like for example, they can talk about, like in the book we talk a lot about um, character traits which is huge life skills and people are like, well, what the heck does that have to do with winning tennis? But if you think about it, time management, organizational skills, perseverance, resiliency, courage, all these things are just super duper meaningful when you start to compete because you can have the best looking form in the world, but if you don't have those life skills, you're in trouble. And you probably won't even practice correctly if you don't have the life skills and, you know, the character traits and even a moral compass to to do things that college coaches want to see, you know, you can have, we've had a lot of players even at the Southern Cal where they have magnificent strokes, but they're just jerks. And at the end of the line, who who wants a jerk on their tennis team? That's a nightmare for a coach.
0: Yeah, no way. I agree. Um, Hey, you know, we talked about all the, all the expertise you have, these books, um, the upcoming book that's coming out just in a matter of days, again, Psychology of Tennis Parenting. You have a great website. Is that where they should go and start looking up everything, uh, more information about you and the work that you've done, your books on other websites as well, Amazon or whatnot? Where, yeah. where can everyone yeah. find some of your work? Uh,
1: all the worldwide,
0: you know, there's obviously a bunch of different types of
1: Amazons, out there in different countries, but yeah, Amazon is the best here in the states. I would say. Um, obviously, we can sell it on our, our website too. We sell a ton of
0: books off the website. And your website. What's the name of your website again? Uh, it's Potential dot com. dot com. I've been on it several times. It's great. So any information yeah. that uh, any of the listeners need, I mean, it's all right there. There's different. It's a lot of different sections. You'll learn a lot more about Frank and a lot more about all the work that that you've done before we uh, wrap up anything else you want to say? Well, no, I think we're, uh, I think we're good. And uh, look, if I can
1: help anybody along their journey, just uh, track me down. You can just Google my name and it, it come. I come up all over the place now. I'm, I'm pretty lucky, but
0: you'll find me anywhere on Google. So, or any, and they can contact you on your website as well. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, Frank, I appreciate it. I know you're busy. You're working right now in Delray. I appreciate it. There's a little bit of rain behind you, I see. Um, yes. Thanks for taking some time out of your day and, and speaking with us. This was fun. All right. Have a good one. Thanks.